0: What's going on everybody and welcome back to another episode of rookie ball the podcast where you want to go if you need to know anything sports or if you just want to hear my opinion on them i of course am always your host phoenix haigus i hope everyone had an amazing weekend and is having a smooth transition into the week now ladies and gentlemen it's time to hear that beat drop As I said, welcome back to Rookie Ball, I hope everyone had an amazing weekend, and there is some big news in a couple of sports right now. As the MLB continues to do their meetings, there has been a lot of rule changes so far that they have agreed upon, but no deal looks like it will be made anytime soon, unfortunately. If they do not make an agreement by tonight, it looks like they will cancel even more games. But let's talk about some of the rule changes that they have talked about and some of the rule changes that they haven't talked about. Now, the pitch clock was already a thing. There was a decision to make it in between innings. There was a decision to make it in between pitches. But now they're talking about decreasing the time to make the sport even quicker. As we all know, it should become a little bit of a quicker game because even though it's around the same length of all the other sports, there's just a lot less going on in between the action of baseball compared to a sport like football and basketball. So pitch clock decreasing that time will help a lot. It'll allow the pitches to just keep going and going and going. The batter doesn't have time to get out of the box and... I think it'll help everybody here. It'll help the fans, it'll help the players to just continue the inning and not allow too much interference in between. The second rule that they have talked about but not officially confirmed because they have confirmed the pitch clock, the one that they haven't confirmed yet is a medium pitch rule. And I mean medium speed pitch rule in that they want the pitchers to, To throw a certain amount of speed so that it's not too fast to make it more competitive between a batter and a pitcher. And now, I truly understand where this is coming from. I don't agree with this rule. But the MLB has really become a pitcher's league, a defensive league, as you should say. And yes, I agree. As the NFL has done recently, offense and passing is just more electric than the other sides of football. So yeah, I understand you want to make batting, you want to make offense more important and more exciting in the MLB. But your proposition is to literally stop the evolution of pitching. Because because while I do agree that MLB pitchers do prefer speed over location in this new era of baseball, to tell a pitcher that you cannot throw past a certain speed is cheating basically it's saying that one side of baseball needs to be limited so that the other side can have a chance i don't know i personally think that's a dumb proposition if there's anybody in the world right now that thinks that's a good proposition i would like to know the third thing they've talked about is banning the shift and this is confirmed and this is a rule that i'd love For those of you who don't know what the shift is, basically the fielders are allowed to shift around in any way they want. They can all shift to the right side, the left side, they can shift in if if they think a guy is about to bunt. Now with the bunt, I feel like a shift should be allowed. Because if you don't shift and you have a player like Billy Hamilton coming up and he lays down a bunt, there's no chance that you are catching him. So personally, I feel like a shift with a bunt should be allowed. But the whole shifting to the right for left-handed batters and the shifting to the right for right-handed batters is so ridiculous. The best example I can think of, as I am a fan of the Sensei Reds, Joey Votto is a left-handed batter who knows how to hit opposite field. He's always had the opportunity to hit opposite field, and he kind of plays like it. But just because he's left-handed, all of a sudden... They've started shifting to the right on Joey Votto, who is not a pool hitter at all. But even if you're not a pool hitter, if you're a left-handed batter, most of the time you will pull to the right side of the field. So I really enjoy just regular baseball. This rule change to band shifts is definitely for the purest of baseball, the old heads, the way they, the way they wanted it to be back in the day. And I don't want to move backwards. But there are a lot of rules that used to be in place back in the day that did make it more exciting that they took away and this is included. Now there was one point of discussion in the MLB that was not made at all and is still not being made during the, during the meetings is robot umpires. Now there's been a lot of talk about robot umpires in the MLB and it seems most likely that AAA will be going with a few tests of the robot umpires, but I was really curious to see in the MLB, and I understand they need to do a little test, so they're doing that in AAA right now, so I'm glad there's at least progress towards it, but the fact that there's no talk in the MLB meeting where they should be addressing all the problems in the sport, that this was not brought up one time, because it is the future of sports. I truly do believe that eventually every sport that it's possible for that there will be robot umpires. Now obviously there's sports such as football where some of the penalties are totally emotional and just allow it to only be for humans. But with a sport like baseball that can absolutely just be a robot umpire. The person who calls them safe out, strikes balls, And they'll be 100% correct every time. So if you can't tell by the way I've been speaking about it, I really am a fan of the Robot Umpires. And I do hope that the tests go well in AAA. And they don't manipulate it to look like it went bad. I hope it does truly work out and eventually pushes it to be made in the MLB. But tell me what you guys think is the mlb going in the right direction i personally don't think it is will a deal ever be made i'm starting to question that as well and will there be a season of the mlb who knows but that's not for us to decide even though i wish it was at this point but i guess it's time to get into the nfl I'm sorry everybody, I'm sorry, I promise that I'm not trying to spend too much on the NFL, but there's been some crazy news lately in the NFL, including franchise tags, a man named Calvin Ridley, if you haven't heard the stories yet, and of course Aaron Rodgers as of Tuesday morning, and yeah, I'm recording on the day of the episode release again to get you guys the most news. And Rodgers decided a team. So talking about the, I guess, more uneventful news, five teams have decided to use their franchise tags already in the NFL. If you don't know what a franchise tag is, it is a contract that a team can give to one player uh, at a set price for each position. Usually one of the higher contracts for that position to keep them for one more year and discuss a contract extension throughout that season. Now, sometimes it can be a very good move. Sometimes it can be an eh move. And to me, three out of the five franchise tags were used amazingly and two were questionable. Now let's talk about the good ones first. The Cincinnati Bengals, my boys, Use their franchise tag on Jesse Bates, who is our free safety, and this is an amazing franchise tag. Jesse Bates is arguably, probably the best, not if not one of the best safeties in the NFL right now, and the franchise tag him is extremely important because he is a core piece to the Bengals team, and definitely needs to be extended, uh, in my opinion. I feel like Jesse Bates is probably the most important part outside of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to this offense. It needs to be extended. The second good one was the Miami Dolphins used their franchise tag on Mike Jasicki, who is their tight end, who has really become an important piece to their offense. Now, they got to decide what they're going to do at quarterback with Tua, if they're going to stick with him. Jalen Waddell looks like an emerging star after his rookie season at wide receiver. And Miles Gaskin had an okay year. There's a lot of potential in the Miami Dolphins offense. And I personally think they save a little bit of money by tagging Jasicki. Because he is most likely going to ask for a lot of money being one of the top tight ends in the NFL right now. So franchise tag him, see how this year goes and discuss an extension with him. And if he's asking for too much, gotta let him go because you have a good future in your offense. The final good franchise tag that I think is an amazing one even though I don't like this team, the Dallas Cowboys used their franchise tag on Dalton Schutz who is another tight end and he was amazing this season. He was a great target for Dak. And he was really the only receiver that showed up in the playoffs uh, in their one game. I think he shocked a lot of people. People were questioning how the tight end position was going to work for Dallas. And it worked out amazing. Now, he may not be on the same level talent-wise as a C.D. Lamb. And they are going to release Amari Cooper. So, I think Dallas is moving in a very questionable way. Now, this is a great franchise tag. But releasing Amari Cooper, it's questioning me whether Dallas thinks they're competitive or not. Because they're showing that they they want to be competitive because they're franchise tagging a tight end that did really well for them last season. But they're also releasing, in my opinion, their best receiver. I know a lot of people will say C.D. Lamb, but I personally think that Amari Cooper was their best receiver. And they released him, so I don't really know what's going on and we'll see if they make any moves with their running game obviously Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pillard are just not getting it done so we'll see what direction the Dallas Cowboys move in. Moving on to the two teams that I think did not have good franchise tags and one of them is it's all right I just personally wouldn't do it the Kansas City Chiefs used their franchise tag on Orlando Brown which, if you don't know, is a, I think, I believe he is a left tackle. If not, he is a right tackle. He is a tackle on the offensive line. And for me, this seems absolutely ridiculous. Because Orlando Brown is good. He's good. He is not great. And, you know, you don't have to use your franchise tag. It's not a thing that you're made to do. And just to give you the numbers, it's 166 million dollars to franchise tag an offensive lineman and offensive linemen don't really get paid an insane amount and especially for this to be a subpar middle of the pack offensive tackle maybe on the slightly higher end to a franchise tag him it just seems crazy you know when i'm looking at the other three players we've talked about jasicki and schultz are like a top 10 tight end in the nfl Jesse Bates is a top three safety in the NFL. Orlando Brown is not even a top 20 offensive lineman, in my opinion. So it's very questionable. You're paying him a lot of money. He's not this insane importance to your your team. And Kansas City is already bordering themselves on the verge of passing that salary cap. And they're doing it even more by franchise tagging an offensive lineman. But the one that absolutely makes no sense to me is the Cleveland Browns use their franchise tag on David Njoku, who is a tight end. And I don't even think he is their number one tight end. I don't even believe that David Njoku is the best tight end on the Cleveland Browns. Austin Hooper played, he played good. He played okay, but that was because they were using David Njoku like half of the snaps. And so when you have two tight ends that can both play decent, why franchise tag one of them? David Njoku is not even close to a core piece of this offense. I mean, when you have Nick Chubb, when you have Jarvis Landry, and you have Baker Mayfield, this guy is this guy is obsolete. It doesn't need to be there. It I don't know. I I'm going to get too frazzled up talking about it, but the Cleveland Browns are just moving in the complete wrong direction that they should be because they have this young team. If Baker figures it out and plays like rookie Baker and second year Baker, this team has the possibility to eventually be Super Bowl contenders. But then they make dumb moves like this and I'm a Bengals fan, so Cleveland is a rival, but man, it really hurts to see them continue to be Cleveland of old and just not know what the heck they're doing. So those are the franchise tags. Let me know what you guys think, and I'll keep updating you guys as possibly more teams use their franchise tag on their players, but those are the five we have right now. Let me know. What do you guys think is the best use of the franchise tag, and what is the worst? I feel like we'll probably agree on him. A big story of last season surrounded Calvin Ridley, who stepped away from the game of football for a season. To focus on his mental health said that he just needed some time away from football. And a lot of people were hyped up for the return of him going into the 2022-2023 season. Those hopes and dreams of seeing him become one of the top receivers in the NFL this season or officially diminished, as he has now been banned from the entire season after gambling on games. Just to give you guys an aspect of what this means for him, the man was set for an $11 million contract with the Atlanta Falcons this season. He gambled $1,500. And... For most regular people in the world, that is an insane amount. But for an NFL player, especially a top NFL player, $1,500 is nothing. That is chump change. And the man missed out on $11 million because of it. Now, without going into how dumb of a move this is by him, the thing that I think needs to be focused on more is the fact that he was banned for an entire season. And the closest example we have to a gambler in a sport was Pete Rose uh, gambled as a, as a coach in the MLB and for a while he was basically banned from baseball and most likely will not make the Hall of Fame because of it. Now while I do agree gambling in a sport does require some type of punishment, some type of suspension, a whole season seems very unfair. I mean this because I saw a visual yesterday that showed that Kareem Hunt, who assaulted a woman in a hotel, kicking her repeatedly, was suspended three games. Ben Roethlisberger, who raped a woman, was suspended four games. Now, these are legitimate crimes in the world these are things that you go to jail for and I don't know this just seems this seems too extreme to ban him for an entire season when there are players and I have an endless list of them that have committed genuine crimes in the world not just in football because gambling on sports is legal in some states but There are players that have done genuine crimes but have received less of a suspension than Calvin Ridley has for gambling $1,500. So, I mean, that's all I really want to say about It's because, yes, I do agree that he shouldn't have done it, and it was dumb. And he most definitely should receive some type of suspension or fine because of that. But, man, I mean, there are players that have deserved a ban of a whole season that have not gotten it. And he did for gambling. Let me know what you guys think about it. Let me know if you guys agree with me. And maybe you believe that he should have gotten a whole season. But players who have committed crimes should basically have gotten a ban from the sport. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. I just personally think that he is getting screwed over right now. But moving into, I guess, sort of positive news... Aaron Rodgers has officially signed a contract with the Green Bay Packers. All this drama for nothing. He's just going back. And it's a $200 million extension. Now, I want to know what you guys think, because Aaron Rodgers is kind of close to a Drew Brees age. Ben Roethlisberger age, getting close to the possible retirement age, a long extension could be very risky for the Green Bay Packers if he eventually lets age get to him to his talent. Now, if you guys have listened to earlier episodes, you know that I don't like Aaron Rodgers. He's annoying. He's a drama queen. In my eyes, he's a bad person. And this almost escalates it for me because Yes, I do agree that a crybaby story that gets his way out of a team just because he wants to cry a little bit is annoying. But for him to do all of that and then return to Green Bay, I just, it makes no sense at all. Like, all he talked about was how much he didn't want to be there. Outside of a few statements about talking... About how he liked the players, which, yeah, you're most likely going to like your teammates. But I mean, all that talk that he had about how he didn't like the front office, how he had a bit of a conflict with LaFleur, I absolutely just don't get it. Now, I know Green Bay definitely wanted him back. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, back-to-back MVP winner. So yeah, Green Bay, if they had the chance to re-sign him, we're going to do it. But man, I just really don't understand Aaron Rodgers. I just really, I, I don't think anyone can open up the mind of that guy. Because it just seems absolutely ridiculous. It seems like he's playing this game like a child. But congratulations, I guess Green Bay. Him being on your team kind of makes me want to root against you. Even though I've always liked the Packers. I like their colors. I like i like how they operate. But then having Rodgers makes it really hard. Hopefully, hopefully this works out. I don't know. What I did just realize is a $200 million extension. Jordan Love is never going to play. Jordan Love is never going to play the game of football. They need to trade him immediately. So he has a chance. I mean, come on. I'm seeing a big Josh Rosen story here. A rookie that literally was given no chance. No chance at all to play the game just because there was hope in another guy, a veteran. So I don't know, that just popped in my head that Jordan Love is literally going to never get to play the game of football because he's just always going to be behind Aaron Rodgers who just continues to play every single year. Let me know what you guys think about it. Is Aaron Rodgers going back to the Packers going to lead him to a championship like they've always said every year? Will Devontae Adams, who has still not made a decision, return to the Packers because of this? Or is he going to still test free agency? I guess we'll see. I personally would want Devontae, as I'm a big fan of Devontae Adams, to move into free agency and see if there's any other teams. Because I think even with Devontae, that the Packers are still not going to reach a Super Bowl. So that was originally the end of the episode right there. was the Aaron Rodgers deal. But as I'm editing this episode, as I'm getting it ready to release, I get a news update that Russell Wilson has been traded to the Denver Broncos. Oh my gosh! Denver gets what they needed. Denver gets what they thought they were going to get in Aaron Rodgers, but they get it in Russell Wilson. This is crazy. I thought for sure Russell Wilson was a lock to stay in Seattle. They seemed so certain. But... He's officially been traded. The return has not officially been announced yet, but it seems like it's going to be multiple first-round picks, a couple of additional draft picks, and some players. I'll be interested to see who those players are because Russell Wilson is a big name, but if there's already multiple first-round picks involved, whew, that might be... Um, I don't know. My first initial thoughts on it are... Denver could be really dangerous next season if Russell Wilson plays like how we know he can, but this could also be a big flop for them. If their team doesn't play up to what they can be to their potential, this team could run into a lot of trouble, especially if they're giving up multiple first round picks and players. Their team that was built for the future and now they're going for it now because they have the talent to do it, on Seattle's side, this is an amazing move, finally. and. It'll become even more interesting once we learn how many picks and what players are involved. But finally, Seattle needed to enter a rebuild. Now I'm curious to see who their quarterback's going to be now. Are they going to draft a quarterback this season now that they have a decent pick? This is very interesting. This is crazy. I did not think this was going to happen. I thought the quarterback market had officially dwindled down to the smaller players to the draft picks. But Russell Wilson is going to the Broncos. Tell me what you guys think. Is Denver going to do great this season? What's Seattle going to do at the quarterback position? I want to know everything. But with that being said, I think finally it is time to wrap up this episode. So I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. I will see you guys on Friday, and I will see you guys on the flippity flip. Get out of here.